Welcome back to the Applied Ballistics Podcast. I'm Amanda Wheeler, and today I'm joined by Mitch Fitzpatrick and Rusty Newton. Welcome, guys. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, good to be here. Yeah, we're, we're super excited to have you, Rusty. Um, so we're, we're familiar with you on our on a personal level because we, you know, see you at matches and Mitch has shot with you before. But uh, today we wanted to talk to you. You recently just did something pretty amazing. Do you want to fill everybody in on what that is? Yeah, uh, I hit uh, what is considered a cold bore world record. Uh, A cold bore is the first three shots out of the rifle. You have to hit one, two, three uh, for that day. I think it's like a time span in between five hours. The rifle and the shooter and the spotter cannot have shot. Uh, So you get all of your data, uh, lay down, and hit one, two, three. Uh, It's pretty hard to do. Uh, Most people think that you just lay down and shoot. But when you're talking these distances, uh, everything matters. So you, just so people understand shooting cold bore there's no practicing you've done no you know right. sight you like you haven't tried to hit this target you're just you, you range it you right. have your spotter uh, who's helping you with your wind calls you lay right. down and you're hoping to not hit the dirt yeah, yeah don't <laughs> hit the dirt that's all you have to do is hit the target and uh, and doing that one two three is it's pretty that's very impressive yeah, uh, it doesn't happen very often. Uh, we shoot with a lot of the top shooters in the world. And i seen it happen one time last year by Randy Weiss at the NRA Nationals. Uh, that's the first time I'd ever seen it happen. Uh, uh, I also seen David Tubb hit one, two, three, but it didn't meet all the requirements uh, because he had shot a different rifle like 15 minutes earlier. Oh, uh, right. I remember and, that. Yeah. Yeah, so... When things like that happen, it's almost like you get practice at it. Uh, so uh, if it doesn't meet all the requirements, then it's not a world record. Okay. Uh, so, so you have to be completely cold. Your spotter is completely cold. Uh, and to hit a target at almost 2,300 yards on the first shot, uh, it's pretty hard to do. And and just for people who 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 might want a little reference that's like 1.3 miles ish right mitch do you know anyone else that's done anything like this um not specifically you know when we originally kind of went down the elr central path this was something that we wanted to popularize um you know because there's a lot of guys going out and just trying to hit targets as far away as they possibly could you know shooting as many shots as it takes to get it done. Um, and that's cool and all, but what, you know, obviously from the applied ballistics perspective and just our own personal interest, um, we really like to see the consistency and what the science can accomplish as far as first round impacts. And uh, the reason the the one, two, and three, uh, you know, the first, second, and third shot uh, hits um, factored into that is because what we really wanted to demonstrate uh is not only getting your first round on target but then also the consistency of being able to like repeat it um and 
so, so that's why it's that way. And that's like Rusty was saying, that's a very difficult thing to accomplish. And um, Rusty kind of laid out, you know, some of the guys who've been able to to do that in the past. Uh, and then obviously Rusty himself just did it at uh, that was just under three thousand yards, right, Rusty? Uh, it was twenty three hundred. Oh, uh, j- okay. just under twenty three hundred. Yeah. Oh, okay. <clears throat> okay. Um, yeah. And so you know that's a that's a tall order because it, it was a thirty six inch plate, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and a, every world record has to be shot on a thirty six inch plate. Yeah. Exactly. So um, it's a pretty elite club of people who have done that. Um, I'm sure some people have done it in practice, um, not at an actual event in front of people, you know, on the clock on demand, so to speak. Um, so it's a pretty short list. Yeah. I think the on the clock thing really ups the ante uh, on pressure. Uh, you know, you're on the time. You only have so many minutes to do it. You have three minutes to hit a world record target uh, from the time you take there they'd start the clock you get three minutes and if you don't have all three rounds fired by then then which usually doesn't take that long i think i fired all of mine in about less than 30 seconds wow yeah Uh, exactly i just try to stay stay in the wind Uh, yep now when there's not as much wind it's not as critical to get your rounds off smooth and fast uh, mm-hmm. but that day we didn't have a ton of wind uh, at us it was blowing two to four miles an hour but when you're shooting on a range like that and it's the hardest range i've ever shot on by far and where yeah, where were you uh, that was at the raton i think they call it canyon springs uh range okay that's a and new range right yeah, that's the brand new range, uh, and there's 46 shots fired on the string of fire on that range, including the world record targets. And the first match, the winner hit four shots, which wow. <laughs> everybody on social media was kind of like, "God, oh, you guys can't shoot, you can't do this, you can't do that. And we're like, yeah, you come to this range and try to figure it out. <laughs> uh, but it... <laughs> Uh, the wind on that range is astronomically hard. Uh, You have four or five different wind calls throughout your time of flight. Uh, You have multiple like mountain ridges coming together. Um, Each one of them, there's a different wind direction coming off of it, updrafts. And it's horrible to shoot in and try to figure out the wind. And even if you shoot really fast, which my speed in shooting is almost like a PRS, I get them off fast. Once I know I'm close uh, or uh, on target, uh, most of my five shot strings last less less than 30 seconds. So, and it's, but on that range, it's just really, really tough wind. So, Tell us a little bit about the the rifle that you use, the equipment. I know um, uh, Bill Poor was spotting and calling wind for you. Um, right. Apparently, he did a good job. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> we laid down and, and and when you're spotting and calling wind, we try to watch. Uh, we watch everybody. Uh, 
and you try to figure out where people are missing, uh, try to get as much advantage as you can by watching and learning. Absolutely. Uh, and w- we had a good, my Kestrel was showing uh, 0.6 wind and we used 0.5 uh, because we seen another guy miss at about 0.5 and we're guessing that he was calling zero wind because there wasn't much wind that day. And uh, the first shot, if we would have held 0.6, it would have been dead center, uh, exactly what the Kestrel was calling for. Uh, And the AB app that I run on there. Uh, Now the next two would have shifted a little bit and would have still probably been on target. but we just held the same. Uh, at that far, your spotting scopes can barely see, and sometimes you can't see the impact on the target. Uh, so you just hope for the best and send another round. Uh, uh, that actual the gun I was using was a three seventy five shot attack or a nine point five by seventy seven. Hmm. Uh, the uh, from my chassis on up is a accurate rifle systems chassis uh, which uh, not a lot of people run chassis uh, most people are stock people uh, but I've had really good results out of these chassis uh, and they've just been phenomenal uh, the action I run is a Pierce 10x with a Bartline barrel 36 inch uh, and a heritage arms brake uh, most people don't know much about them either, uh, but I, I absolutely love them. Uh, probably the best break I've ever run. Uh, doesn't have any felt recoil as far as muzzle blast on the shooter or even the shooter beside you. Uh, you get some of these big breaks on there that it's just beating the heck out of the guy beside you. Yes, it does. Uh, yes. Uh, throwing dust all in your action. You're trying to clean it out or keep it clean from the beginning when the guy next to you is shooting and it's it's amazing what they will do and the the felt recoil that i feel from that break is probably oh 50 percent less than some of the other breaks that i've used Uh, i just switched my 416 barrett break to a heritage arms break and i bet it cut it by 70 percent uh, and for a 416 Barrett, that's phenomenal. Uh, just to be able to handle the recoil of that rifle uh, is just, it's hard to do in and of itself. But uh, when you can change your equipment around to have less felt recoil on you, you can stay on target longer, uh, get the next shot off quicker. It's just, it, they're amazing. Uh, probably, uh, I don't know, maybe the best change or the most drastic change I've ever seen in a rifle is switching to that break. So uh, when you when you made these three shots, were you and or Bill pretty sure right away that you had hit this record, or were you? Was there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was an advertised record event. Uh, we knew. We had ranged it with our rangefinders. Uh, I think they went back later 
we got uh, 2298, and that's what was written on the uh, distance sheet for that day was 2298. Uh, I think they went back later. And from my firing position, which I'm not for sure uh, where they measured it to from the beginning, may have been a different spot, but they went back to the lane that I was shooting in and measured it from there again uh, with a few rangefinders. Uh, it's a Vectronics Vector 21, probably one of the best rangefinders in the world. Uh, range out over 10,000 yards fairly easily. Uh, and I think they're going to set it at 2295 for the actual record. Okay. So we we saw you um, right before that at the Clark Clark Knob yeah, Ringneck yeah, Ranch. Clark Knob. Yeah. Uh, you guys had your mobile lab set up out there, and <clears throat> I think it was the first 50 people that entered Clark's Knob got to do shoot through your PDM. Uh, and it made all the difference in the world. Uh, my other stuff, or the uh, my custom drag model that I had built myself, uh, was reading about 0.4 mils less than what the personal drag model did that I was able to run through y'all's system at the Clark's Knob. Uh, and... At Clark's Knob, it it didn't seem to be working that well. It was uh, a little bit short, uh, and I was having to adjust and go go more elevation every time. But then when I started talking to the match director, I figured out why. Uh, the, the wind on some of the targets would switch when you were at the target. And it's really nice if you can go out by the targets, feel the wind direction out there. Uh, if it's giving you an updraft, a downdraft, uh, things like that. So when I dialed in the different wind direction after the match and I was talking to him, well, it gave me exactly what I had figured I was supposed to be holding uh, based off of rounds on target. Uh, so I'm like, well, maybe it's not the PDE. So I went back and done some more testing. And when there was a no wind day and the PDM was just dead on uh, to the click. Uh, and so that's what I used out there uh, in Raton at the Canyon Springs range for that cold, cold bull world record shot. Uh, so uh, your the confidence that you got to have in your system, uh, the PDM, everything, it, it's, it makes a huge difference. Uh, but the, the the PDM pretty much just set it up for me to hit three perfect shots. Um, just almost the group was just dead near centered up on target. So uh, it was it was really good. That's awesome. So, Mitch, can we can we talk about that and what Rusty just said about? Um, him having trouble with it at Clark's knob and then doing some more testing and having it work for him better at his next event. Um, yeah. So like what he just was talking about there with the, the wind directions, you know, that's a very real, uh, very real thing that a lot of people, even at ELR events, I see, um, 
aren't really, I don't want to say like not paying attention to, but they're not properly factoring in because like Rusty was just saying, when you put into your Kestrel, those different wind directions, um, and sometimes it can be hard to determine what's going on downrange um, as far as wind directions go, but those have a definite impact on your solution, not just, you know, your horizontal wind zero, but your elevation as well. And uh, especially on these ELR targets, uh, if it starts making a couple clicks of difference, well, you start missing targets. And that's one problem uh, I think we run into relatively frequently when we're helping guys um, trying to sort out problems with their dope is really being able to isolate all these variables. Because um, if you're not, what you're doing is you're, you know, if you're trying to like, say you're using a G7 and you're trying to change your G7 BC to line up with your drop. Well, if you if you're not factoring in various wind angles into that, and you know you went out and you had a, a tailwind, but in your kestrel you had a, a crosswind, and um, you're you're like, oh, I've got three tenths of a, a mil difference on this target. Well, if you try to true that out with changing your BC or something, then yeah, well, you're hitting all your targets that day with that BC, but now you go out and practice it another day, and you're off again because now the wind is different, and now you're using a BC that's not even a good fit for your rifle because you're factoring in a, a wind error into that. And so that's where like the, the PDMs, the PDM is the actual drag of the bullet that we measured, right? So we're measuring the the rate that the bullet slows down in the air. That is the drag. So when you're running that, you can kind of take a lot of the, uh, you, you essentially eliminate the uncertainty uh, in the, the drag of the bullet and you can do what Rusty did and actually identify, oh, okay, so the wind does make this effect. And um, from the sounds of it, Rusty, that was probably kind of a almost a, a learning point for you to really yeah. take into account those <clears throat> those wind directions because they can have a pretty profound effect. Yeah, we try to average out the wind all along the range, uh, and sometimes it's really hard if you got different mountain ranges coming in you have three to five different wind calls or wind directions. It's extremely hard to try to calculate all that in your head and enter in your best guess into the Kestrel. Uh, and the more accurate you are with your, just the data you enter, obviously the more accurate it's going to be on target, but to, actually see it happen and figure out why fairly quick after the match why is this giving me a wrong data when we just run a pdm well it wasn't yep i had a wrong wind dialed in uh so the wind at the firing position is one thing but then the wind all along the range uh, all the way up to the target is what also matters uh, and you can't sit there and dial in 100 different wind calls or maybe if we had smokes smoke indicators out there we were still a lot yeah. better <laughs> just trying to uh, look at the trees look at the grass the mirage uh, everything all along the way and if you're off by one hour on your wind call it, 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 sometimes it can make a huge difference, especially in Kansas winds when they're blowing 24, 25 miles per hour. Uh, yeah. It just inflates the error into the system 
drastically. Yep. So uh, don't always, when you, especially if you have a PDM, uh, don't always just think that the PDM is wrong. Uh, 99% chance it's some data that you entered into the Kestrel that is wrong. Uh, or the best guess or the wind changed. Uh, uh, some of these targets are out past two miles and have a seven to eight, nine second time of flight. Well, the, the wind's going to change in between there. A couple oh, yeah. of times. So, <laughs> yeah. So it, it's just extremely hard and to to get everything dialed in really well, it's just hard. And even shot to shot, uh, it changes. Uh, so uh, ELR is extremely fun. Uh, can be extremely frustrating at times. You know, why am I not hitting this target? <laughs> yep. It just missed 0.2 mils left. I moved 0.2 mils right, and it didn't hit the target. It hit the same spot. What's happening? <laughs> yep. uh, it's probably the wind picking up. So oh, yeah. Well, uh, AB is all of us here. We're super pumped to see um, that you were able to hit the Cold War record. Um, we were super proud that it was you because you're such a nice guy and and you're a good shooter and just a uh, just a good guy all around. So we were super proud of you for that. And thank you. Then to also know that that you used our PDM and that helped you, that made us even more excited yeah. and proud. Oh yeah. Yeah. Once I figured out that my numbers at Clark's knob were not the PDM and the PDM was right. I just had my wind dialed in wrong. Uh, it made a huge difference in confidence. Uh, so I just found a day here locally, went and shot again, the PDM's dead on. And then we Bill pretty much nailed the wind call. Uh, we were actually helping Randy Powell set up uh, the day prior and set up targets, set up cameras and everything. And Bill and I had went up on the mountain that morning to turn on all the cameras. Uh, well, by the time we got back down there to the firing line, uh, Randy says, well, it's Rusty, your shooter number six, and your spot's open to set up right now. So I'm rushing like crazy to get everything set up. And luckily, Bill just grabbed his spotter and sat down and started watching. And uh, he had the wind dialed in just dead on. So uh, without him sitting down there and just watching for a few minutes before I was able to get ready and shoot, uh, it just made all the difference in the world, uh, which we could have went with the Kestrel. Uh, it, it was right there with it. Uh, luckily that day I just dialed in the wind correctly uh, for what I felt it was out towards the target or averaged to the target uh, so but Bill sure made it uh, or made my confidence level go way up uh, when I laid down to pull the trigger that's awesome sometimes I think you know the more time you have to to lay on the line and or stand behind another shooter and and kind of fret a little bit about it, uh, right. the more time you can psych yourself out. So maybe getting rushed oh, yeah. and having to just go right into it was a, a blessing. Oh yeah, it, it was pretty nice. Just lay down there, hit one, two, three, and uh, I, I bet I had four or five minutes to get ready you know, to get all of my gun put together, 
which these ZLR rifles are so big, you got to take them apart to put them in a regular case. So they get it put together, get laid down there. Uh, I'm still dialing in Kestrel numbers when the shooter before me has finished shooting. Uh, and I just barely got it finished, set it up on my stand. And uh, I also run that Kestrel HUD. Uh, so when it linked up, uh, it's just a heads up display. I mount on the top of my scope with a little Picatinny mount and uh, it started clicking numbers. Well, I had the cold bore target as target 10. Uh, so it took a minute to get down there to target 10 and I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. And right about the time Randy Powell says, you're up, uh, target 10 showed up. I dialed and just sent it to exactly what the PDM told me to. That That's amazing. Uh, Mitch just got a HUD and he ran it at a match at the gap grind and um, he really thought it, found it very helpful. Oh yeah. Yeah. Especially <laughs> when you've got multiple targets at different ranges. Um, yeah. Especially yeah. more of a PRS type situation where you've got like 90 seconds to shoot at five different targets, but even yeah. in ELR, I definitely, definitely foresee using it a lot more. Oh yeah. Yeah. They're pretty dang nice. I've loved it ever since the first time I put it on there. So what other uh, useful equipment do you use that might help another shooter out? Uh, I just switched to a uh, bipod extension, an accuracy solutions bipod extension, uh, just so I could run a magneto speed during the match when allowed. Uh, some matches don't allow you to. They won't allow any electronics in front of the break uh, to gather data from. Uh, but... Uh, the guy I've seen doing it uh, a lot is David Tubb. And I figured, well, if David Tubb is doing this, uh, there's probably something to it. Uh, let's try to measure every shot. Uh, yep. And uh, your powder during the day, it, it's just you may not have the same velocity later in the day as you did earlier in the day, depending on what powder you're using. Uh I use a reloader 26 uh, in my light gun and a reloader 50 in my in my Shytac, and they have given me the best accuracy, uh, but they have a fairly high amount of temperature instability. Uh, I guess you would say uh, my reloader 50 is about 1.6 feet per second gained for every degree of temperature increase so if it's 60 in the morning and 90 in the afternoon then you're, you're 30 degrees there you're going to pick up by over almost 50 feet per second yep. uh, and uh, it, it showed on that uh, world record target uh, luckily uh, the temperature that i had sighted in the day before that morning uh, was uh, almost the same temperature that it was the day of the record target. Uh, so my velocities were exactly the same. Uh, but the firing solution at, at the end of the day when I went my second round and uh, the first, it was, I think it was 2772. Uh, and my velocities went from 2965 to right at 3000 
picked up 35 feet per second just off the temperature of the change during the day. Uh, so I recognized that on the first shot. So uh, Bill adjusts my Kestrel for me, uh, and then it, it gives me a correction from there. Uh, and then you also see your missed impact. Well, the missed impact was almost exactly what the Kestrel change showed. Uh, so the PDM was right for my velocity earlier in the day. But when my velocity picked up uh, on that first shot, me not knowing exactly what it was going to be, we changed it real quick. PDM lined up again. And I would think I hit three, four, and five at 2,772. Awesome. That is awesome. Um, Rusty, we, we really appreciate you um, taking some time to chat with us. Um, I, I know you have some some sponsors who help you out with your shooting. Um, I'd like to let you give them a little shout out. Yeah, uh, my biggest sponsor from the beginning, uh, we're actually on the team uh, for Accurate Rifle Systems, ELR Rifle Team. Uh, they've been phenomenal. Joe Updike has been phenomenal from the beginning. Uh, pretty much gets us whatever we need. Uh, and he's doing it. He's just a small shop. Uh, that, I mean, he feeds his family off this stuff. So he has to work our gun chassis into his other commercial work and stock machines to get the work done for us. Uh, I ended up buying a little small uh, meal myself. That way I wouldn't have to send stuff back to him, and he's helped me learn that. Uh, and, and just making the equipment, uh, making adjustments, toolings, speeds and feeds, it, it's he, he's helped me out a lot with more than just shooting. Uh, and uh, again, the the Heritage Arms brakes, uh, they're they're really good to us. Uh, Lawrence from Heritage Arms has been phenomenal. Uh, pretty much gets us whatever we need uh, as soon as he can get it. Uh, a lot of times he has it in stock already. He just sends it the next day. Uh, uh, Bartline Barrels, uh, they have been really good for us. Uh, uh, they're extremely accurate, one of the most accurate rifle barrels in the world, uh, and continue to do very well. Uh, that's pretty much all I run is a Bartline barrel. Uh, you've got a bunch of other barrel manufacturers out there that are really good too, but I've just had so much good luck with Bartline, I stick with them. Uh, and then we got, who else is there? Uh, our targets. Uh, is range time. Uh, they provide all of our targets. Uh, they are 500 steel targets uh, to shoot at all the time. Uh, uh, cutting edge bullets. Uh, ever since I switched to cutting edge, uh, I didn't realize I could shoot so well until I went to cutting <laughs> edge bullets. Uh, they're an incredibly, they're incredibly consistent bullet. Yes. Uh, and, I haven't run much of their hunting line. Uh, I, I run mainly burger VLDs for hunting, but uh, it always had that. They're a really good bullet too, but cutting edges, they picked me up when I was, when I didn't even think I would get a sponsorship. Uh, and a buddy was like, hey, just put in, you never know. And they picked me up as a fairly new shooter to ELR. 
and have been phenomenal. Uh, their bullets are extremely consistent. Uh, and I, though there was two shots on that world record target that were four inches apart at 2,300 yards. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, that type of consistency is just almost unmatched. Uh, I think I've seen some data on there. Uh, the BC variants on their bullets, uh, the data that I seen showed them at like a 0.4 BC variants, uh, which I think off, off of the data that was run that day, they were the best bullet ran that day uh, as far as variants in the BC. On the PDM uh, day, you mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they are <laughs> they are typically one of the most consistent uh, as far as BC goes, for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, and let's not forget to give, um, I know Bill Poor will be sad if we don't give Bill Poor a shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Bill <laughs> Poor, uh, I've known Bill for a while, uh, but really haven't shot with him or I've known of him for, for three or four or five years. I think he was the first guy to ever hit a three mile target on camera. Uh, so when I actually got to shoot with him the first time, I'm like, man, I'm with a legend right here. <laughs> and then, then we start shooting together and he has helped me out, uh, just on shooting knowledge, uh, ballistics, wind, uh, the guy's a phenomenal wind call, uh, him. And, uh, we went down with Chase Stroud, uh, to shoot the four mile shot. And, uh, I think w- within three shots, Bill was within 15 feet at four mile, 4.1 miles. So uh, that is a. That's impressive. We Yeah, we went wild on the third shot. We're like, holy cow, we're close. <laughs> and so, but yeah, Bill, he, he's been really good to me. Uh, I think we work well together. Uh, traveling with Bill is probably one of the funniest times you will ever be uh, <laughs> with a friend. Uh, unless he's asleep, then <laughs> then you're laughing. So yeah, it's been a really good year. Well, and I think I think I say this on, on almost every one of our podcast episodes so far. The the amount of um, knowledge and willingness to share that knowledge when you show up at these matches is unprecedented in any other um, competition arena, in my opinion. Um, If you ask any shooter for help, they will do their darndest to help you with whatever it is. And if they don't know, they know someone who knows and they're going to introduce you to that person. So I I just, I'm always um, being at, at, long range shooting matches is always, you know, such a, a positive, um, experience in my opinion. Oh yeah. Even if it's like your top competitors, uh, your arch nemesis out there, which (laughs) Jesse cook has been doing really well this year. I think (laughs) I beat him in one match. Uh, but we, we give each other heck all the time. Uh, about well, my stuff's better. Well, oh no, my stuff's better. Well, I won last match, so uh, it's a really good time. They, 
I think he works for Gunware now. Uh, they do some really good stuff, make some really accurate rifles. Uh, and it's everybody out there. Uh, it's just, even if they work for a different company, uh, they're willing to share, uh, willing to share their knowledge. What happened on this one? Okay, well, you just messed that one up. Okay, well, what did I do wrong? And even though they're sitting there trying to win the match, they're helping you get better. Yes, I, I love uh, that aspect of ELR. And um, now that we've been doing some PRS matches with our mobile lab, um, it's it's the same there. So it's just, to me, it's it's universal across the shooting competitive shooting circuit no matter what and it's very enjoyable oh yeah yeah it, it's always a good time out there all right well what do you uh do you have any more matches scheduled for this year or are you winding down uh pretty much winding down there's a couple of little one mile matches i thought about running my light gun in uh but my little boy's baseball team is playing so <laughs> i probably will go to the baseball game good dad well, um, we look forward to um, our paths crossing with you in the 2021 season. And uh, if there's anything that Applied Ballistics can do to help you out, just give uh, us a shout out or give us a call and we'll do what we can for you. And we appreciate you coming and chatting with us today. Okay. Thanks for having me on. You're welcome. And congratulations on that great cold war shot. Well, thank you. All right. We'll uh, hopefully see you soon at a match. Okay, we'll see you guys next year.